Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Our guest today on Brand Story, Inc. is David Beebe, founder and CEO of Storified Hospitality Group. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, let's jump right in. Tell our listeners what Storified Hospitality Group is in your words. Uh, well, we're really, you know, think about it as if how to storify your brand. And so we work very high level strategically with brands that are uh, wanting to really focus on consumer first content and content that's driven by storytelling. Um, and so that means a lot of things from they may want to set up a content studio internally um to how do you you know set up brand publishing even to a command center how do i work with agencies uh what what are the deals look like and so we really um help them develop that you know how should they approach storytelling strategically and oftentimes what is that space that they should be storytelling in and helping them identify their narrative and then really um in a sense packaging up um, some creative slate and options for them by working with the creative community. So it's then tapping in and saying, look, this is based on everything we've learned um, and, and sort of some very high level creative. This might be the right talent to work with, the right producer, the right director, the right agency. Um, and so it's really helping them guide them. And, and I think the end goal is to get them to do it, right? Because a lot of <laughs> brands want to talk about doing it. Yep. Um, and, uh, but we're very, very clear with, uh, our partners we work with that, uh, the, you've got to commit, you've got to set some budget aside and, um, you know, you, we can't sit around for six months and just talk about it. It is, is learning and doing. And I think there's a fair amount of those folks that are listening to this podcast, ones that are kind of putting their foot in the pool, if you will. And then there's others who yep. have, who've gone all in. So we're going to try to appeal to all of them today. And. I invite our listeners to check out David's website, um, both at Storified, but also at davidbb.com for his full backstory. It's, it's fascinating and quite candidly is a, probably a whole different podcast, your journey. But part of that journey really included a successful career in Hollywood where you won Emmys, Con Awards, James Beard Awards um, for the likes of Disney and your work at PBS. And with that background, I'd like to focus today's conversation on what's happening at the intersection of Hollywood storytelling and brand marketing. So in today's shows, we're going to navigate everything from best practices of brands to who's doing it well to the classic ROI question um, and kind of go as much as we can from A to Z. So, David, with that, let's start with the basics, because I think definitions in our content world can be divisive or confusing. So let's, let's start there. How do you define branded content versus, say, branded entertainment or brand publishing? Yeah, I think if, you know, if you look at the highest level, it's, uh, you know, I would put uh, that as, you know, what is it? it's brand funded content. And but when you think of even that in itself, you know, I always question, isn't all content essentially funded by a brand? <laughs> um, uh, with the exception, of course, of, you know, if you, you know, you're paying a pay TV service and there's no commercials, but maybe there's still integrations they're doing. But I think when you look at it, I mean, since the beginning, right, of soap operas, all content really has been funded um, by brands. And so um, one way or another, and I think what's changed is now the, the brands now have the ability to produce their own content, own the IP, and really make it a long tail game and really thinking and acting like a media company. 
And so when you look at what is branded entertainment, I view that as that that is branded entertainment is content that is about entertaining an audience, uh, pure and simple. It is I want to make them feel something. I want them to laugh. I want them to do whatever. Um, and essentially that I'm the purveyor of that as the brand. I'm bringing them that experience and they will appreciate that. So in branded entertainment, I would put uh, things from documentaries to films to TV shows to to webisode series even to to podcasts in a sense but that pure really much focused on story driven content it's about entertaining and and doing nothing else um, maybe it does other things down the road but it's very much investing and owning that IP um, whereas branded content is very similar but branded content is almost it's too branded in the sense that um, it doesn't provide value to a traditional uh, distributor of content. So the, the key difference there is I might, um, you know, the, the films that we made at Marriott, some of the, the different documentaries, TV shows, those are all things that were so valuable that other people like Netflix and Hulu's and OTTs and other um, people that needed content would license from us. And that's where I talk to brands about investing in branded entertainment that's so valuable that other people will pay you for it whereas branded content is hey we're going to do a cooking series it's sponsored by this brand there's some integrations it's too overly branded where people are not going to um, necessarily want to to buy it from you because it's not pure entertainment and then you have brand publishing which is you know the blogs and magazines and, and things like that yeah, I think that nuance is really one of the make or breaks, um, as you talked about, just that that overt integration or promotionalism that brands can't seem to keep their hands out of the cookie jar of, of, right. of getting in there, right, <laughs> and saying, no, but buy this now, right? And so y- you've actually, um, one of the many, ma- one of the things that fascinates me is that you're, you've got Storified as a company, but you're also doing these master classes where you go into topics just like that. Um, I'm curious, I want to actually go into a couple of concrete examples of things that you and or your clients have done, um, whether it's at Marriott or current clients, specifically that play to that, like that true entertainment and how you keep it from crossing that line into too promotional where consumers see right through it. Yeah, well, I think it's... Um it it's it's difficult for a brand to do that where they they do want to start out with branded entertainment but then often what happens is getting you get branded content or you get uh, an ad right because the traditional marketers are so uh were taught and beaten that it's about features and benefits and products and service let me tell you all about how great i am and, and you know and that worked when consumers didn't have the option to skip ads um, but now we've got to find a different way. So if they don't want to be interrupted with ads, we have to make the ads entertainment essentially. So how do we, how do we do that? Um, and I think there's a lot of, I, I would say it, it's still the very early days. Um, I think a lot of brands jumped in years ago, you know, if you look way back when of a, you know, BMW films, but, and it, it continues to evolve from there. But I think the good news is they're starting to understand the value of providing value and that not everything has to, to drive to a cell. Um, but it is that, it is that biggest challenge internally. And that's what we do a lot in the workshops and master classes is real time development of creative and actually building 
you know, what's the, what's the purpose of this content? How are we going to measure it? What's the distribution? Who are our partners that may help pay for it? Really getting to think from marketers or storytellers and thinking like a media company. You know, I think, and you just hit on it, I, we first connected several years ago in 2015 after you started getting featured for the work that you did at Marriott and how you were courted from Hollywood to help trans- transform them into this media mindset uh, within their company. And you were one of the first brands that I saw that real, when you're at Marriott that came out and said, no, we are a media company. And you did what you just talked about, scripted films, documentary content, where it was truly entertaining the client. One of the things I think our listeners will um, really want to hear is the word that came out for me was alignment. You were able to align the different silos within Marriott to come together for the greater good around this. And that's no small feat. So I'd love to, I'd love for you to talk about how you and your team were able to transform such a large brand into that media mindset. How did you do it? What did it take? What did you learn? Well, I think you first have to have an understanding of at, at all levels throughout any brand that's, you know, how the re- relationship between consumers and brands has changed. Um, meaning that, you know, the consumers are now in charge of how they interact with the brand. And and then you look at the numbers. And so I always, if, if you're presenting to an executive audience who is used to seeing numbers all day, um, use that as a storytelling technique to show them, look, uh, why are we, you know, investing in, uh, particular types of media that uh, different percentages of people are skipping with that are in, not engaging with. Um, and it and it doesn't mean, I think one of the mistakes when people go into a brand and try to create this change is they try to go in and, and shut everything else off mm-hmm. um, or say that storytelling is the only uh, marketing we should be doing. Um, and, and I'm not a believer in that. I think that there's an entire marketing mix and it all needs to connect and nothing should have a dead end and it should all support each other. Um, storytelling is a big part of that, but it's not, it's not the only thing. And so it is using a lot of the data that's out there to, to really define why you should be investing in this other form of, of marketing. Um, and I think you also have to have, you know, executive, um, support doesn't mean that they need to understand how it works. Um, or the mechanics of it, but really understand the vision of, of where you want to go. And I think more executives need to spend time in educating people internally versus trying to create that change right away. So, you know, in, in, in Marriott and brands working with now, that's where it, the first three months is really education. Mm-hmm. It is going around and, and, and speaking, you know, meeting with different teams and groups and, speaking their language and getting them on board versus trying to come in and enforce something and not explaining anything because people are going to have fear if they don't understand what is this change um, and why are we doing it? And so that's the biggest thing is, is understanding, look, I've got a, who's my audience. And if I'm a storyteller, I better be able to sell my story internally because if you can't do that, (laughs) how are you going to be able to sell it, you know, sell storytelling to an audience. And so, and I think the last, you know, one of the last key, and this is super important, is, and this is usually the roadblock and where things die, is um, you've got to have budget set aside. You've got to have your own budget. So oftentimes what I'll see is a brand will bring in somebody to do content marketing, storytelling. They'll go out, they'll do all this work, and they'll bring these ideas. And then the internal brand will say, well, that was fun, but, um, you know, our budgets have moved over here now. 
And so if you don't have your own budget, there's no way you can actually create and ideate and test things. And so that's key. It doesn't have to be huge. Um, but if you are looking at starting a studio or anything, I would highly recommend you've got to, even if you have to go around with a tin cup, <laughs> go to different <laughs> groups and, and beg for, you know, 50,000, 20,000 here to come up with a budget. Um, it, it is the only way because you've got to be able to go out and, and do that. And that's what, um, you know, all the reasons that everything aligned with, with Marriott was because I had all those things and the budget wasn't huge the first year. It was very small. And, um, and, but we had the ability to say, okay, we're going to go do this. And we're not, you know, there are people that need to know, need to know. And, but this isn't about a committee. This isn't about going around and getting a hundred signatures. We're just going to do it. And that was because we had our own budget to go execute things. Well, before we leave Marriott and kind of move on to Storified, I, I, I'm a visual learner, and there's that one photo um, in a lot of articles that you were profiled in with the M Live Control Studio that literally had the different yeah. names of the departments on the back of the chairs, right? Instead of producer and director, it was like media agency and social media team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a very literal alignment of bringing people together. Um, you also, while there, created, you know, an original film, French Kiss, right? And you had um, another series around the Bellboy and. Marriott, while f featured in it, was very subtle. It was very entertaining, right? So bringing those points home. But then you also had to tie that down to ROI. And, I, and you were one of the first ones that kind of really went out there and were able to show, guys, here's how the dots connect. So I'd love for you to kind of share that, right? You, you went tin cup, and then you started getting some success. Talk about, from a higher level, how the entertainment contact, content actually impacted the bottom line. Yeah, I think if you, you know, that goes back to when you talk about strategies is really defining that purpose of the content. And so uh, I was very clear as we laid out and built a strategy is, okay, what is that we define the purpose of it? Meaning, how are we going to measure the success? Is this content meant to do sales? Um, and if it is, that's fine. But here's what it needs. Here's, here's what it is, the type it is, here's where it goes. Here's how we're going to measure it. Is it is this content meant to just purely entertain or is it to, to inform or is it to introduce a new brand? Is it to change perception of a brand? I think oftentimes when we're doing branded content of any type, it's, it's people get so excited about doing it. Um, but they, they can't explain the purpose behind it, mm -hmm. the audience it's for, or how do we know this is successful? So it's very clear to spend a lot of time in that because as marketers, um, are typically obsessed with measurement. And so you need to know before you even start talking about creative, all of those things, that's super, super important. Um, and so that, that's always a, a place to start. But then, you know, with, with the films, it was all of those things. Um, in many cases, it was to change perception of a brand, um, showcase the product experientially through the story, but never interrupt the story. Um, and then, what is that opportunity to reward people for, for watching or participating? And so um, I always find how can we extend this content further, meaning is there an offline experiential component that I can now engage um, more with an audience than I'm trying to build a relationship with? Um, online, can I create some sort of sales package? And so with with French Kiss, for example, you know, we built sales packages around all of them. And the idea was that you got presented an offer as you watched the film um, in multiple different ways. 
but the idea that you too could experience what you've seen in the film. And so the intention there through the story was to inspire people to travel, which ladders up to the overall goal narrative is to be the world's favorite travel company. So if I can show you a story that's going to say and resonate with you, that's going to say, oh, I remember when I was in Paris or I've always wanted to go to Paris or, oh, that's really cool. I didn't, you know, I saw the Eiffel Tower, but whatever it is to trigger that emotion, um, you're most likely to start thinking about travel. And because you haven't really watching the content, why not present something to you that says, hey, you can, you know, meet the GM, VIP arrival, great room, chocolate champagne on arrival, hmm. whatever, a VIP tour of all the places we shot, which happened to be the iconic locations in Paris, and at a great rate. And, you know, that one sales package did $500,000 of room sales in two months for that particular hotel um, in, in, in Paris. And it was, and, you know, that goes into helping cover the cost of, of producing that type of content. But that was years ago. But that film is still playing on screens, mm -hmm. on airlines, on, I mean, all, any place a screen is because it's distributed and sold everywhere now. And it is much bigger than a campaign. So when you're investing in something, the other thing to realize is this is something that's going to be around for three years, four years. It's going to be relevant because it's truly storytelling as long as the brand is the same brand, essentially. I mean, the experience hasn't yeah. changed. Um, Great point. So that's, yeah, those are like some, some key things in that. Cool. So a couple of years ago then, 2017-ish, you pack up your Emmys, right? And you start your own company. You start Storified Brands, and which, as we mentioned, is really helping the hospitality industry transform into the media mindset. So now you're a couple of years in, you've dozens of clients and case studies. would love to dig in a bit more on some of the current common challenges and opportunities you're seeing for clients. Where do you start with your clients? The, the biggest the biggest challenge is I, the, the most common thing I hear is how do we start um, and or where do we start or what do we do? What's that first thing? Um, that mixed with typically what I see um, across clients and just brands in general and talking to them is that you've you know they've decided they're going to invest in in storytelling, content marketing, whatever type it is. And they very, uh, not very often do they get the opportunity to build it from scratch. They're usually inheriting a team. Mm -hmm. um, and in many cases, it's a team that is a whole mix of that type of talent. So that combined with, okay, I've got the mandate to invest in content. I've got this team over here that's kind of maybe talented people, but that's not their expertise. Um, and anyone that has worked in corporate um, long enough knows that you just can't um, change people's job overnight uh, or event <laughs> new headcount or, you know, there's a whole process in HR, which is part of the frustration in, in those big companies. But, you know, there, there's, you know, it takes three months, six months to, to create that change. And so that with the struggle of what's my first thing, that that's the biggest thing is just strategically getting a cohesive team, then a process and then an actual strategy of, okay, let's look at all the possibilities in the world. Um, what could we, what do we want to create? And you start to narrow that down into, okay, we are, you know, through a series of sessions and workshops and whatnot, we've landed on the best place for us to start is to do a podcast, to launch a magazine and a 
a documentary or maybe it's one of those but really narrowing in on not trying to to do it all and again going back to how do i define this um strategically what's the purpose of this content how am i gonna measure it because you've got to be able to still prove prove the value of it well i think that's to that point there's an overwhelmingness of where do we start right since that's where most people go and you know as i mentioned uh both at Storified and at davidbb.com, you can see some of the master classes that David has that really break these down in a, in a really distinct subjects. And I, I believe you call it the brand blueprint is one of them. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the your brand blueprint process and what you do, right? It seems to be a, a logical starting point of kind of that process piece. Yeah, it is. And the, that's, that's the, the blueprint is really the outcome of probably about three to six months worth of work, depending on the size of the company. And so within there, you are essentially uh, mapping out an entire content strategy. And beyond the content strategy, that means people, um, process, measurements, um, the type of content you're going to do, and then more importantly, your ecosystem, meaning where what is my what are my own channels who are my distribution partners um you know where's all this content going to go and so it really is a, a entire blueprint and, and it and it'll continue to adapt and change but it is the guide of i would say you know three years worth of work and what needs to get done and so they're pretty comprehensive and they take a, a while to complete um really digging in but it is um it is really the A to Z of, okay, we've, we've made a decision. We want to invest in this, but before we just jump in and say, sure, let's go make this not know anything. We're going to spend the six months to actually map it out. So who's doing it? Well, you've got a bunch of clients and and you've done this and and you're by my um, focus group of one here, the capital THE leader in the industry on this. And so share some case studies with some of the, whether it's your clients or others that you think have gone through this and, and, and what are they doing that's, that's been successful? Well, I think, um, you know, one of, uh, let's say Unilever is doing really well. Um, they're a client and across their 400 some brands, they've got a, a very nice collection of brands they are investing. You know, one of their, their short animated films is, is Oscar nominated now this year. Um, and they've got a new CEO that has come in, Alan Joe, who's really said, look, uh, I understand that interruptive marketing and advertising doesn't work. Uh, I've got to focus on the consumer. And so this is an area we're going to invest in. Uh, it doesn't mean that everything else shuts off by any means, but, um, you, you look at Dove is within Unilever has done a lot of, uh, storytelling. Um, and there's a lot of other, other brands. So they're, you know, that, that's a huge, massive company to create change in, but it's slowly, slowly happening. Um, I think Hewlett HP does a really good job. I think even if you look at some of their tradit, what I would say is traditional advertising, um, TV spots in longer form, two, three minutes online of their different things they do they're really focused on, even if we're going to do an ad, it's going to be driven by, by story in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think IBM, um, George Hammer and his team over there, they do really good storytelling that is really focused on B2B, but really has almost a, uh, could have a consumer twist to it in some of their documentaries that they do. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of the, the big, there's a lot of brands out there doing it. 
well. And, and I think again, back to that, they're just doing it and figuring it out. And, and what do you, is, yeah. <laughs> it's half the battle, right? Getting in the game. But I, I, I yeah. think one of the things we run up to is quite a, quite a few small and mid-sized businesses who hear something like this and say, Oh, that's great. You know what? Give me your tin cup budget at Marriott, which is going to be bigger than mine. Cause I'm a, you know, 10, 50, hundred million dollar entity. Um, so what do you say and what advice do you give to the small to mid-sized businesses who may not have uh, the marketing resources of some of the companies that you just listed? Uh, well, I think that, I think that excuse is, is BS. Um, I love that. If, if pe- yes. If people, <laughs> if people knew the budgets that, that I had at Marriott, they'd laugh at them. Um, I, I'm not kidding. I had to go around it with a 10 cup and collect money from other groups. Um, but also I would lean into partners. So I'd say, Hey, we're making a, a, a documentary, a film. I need luggage. I need cars. I need, um, you know, wardrobe. So mm-hmm. I went and made deals with, uh, credit card companies, rental car companies, luggage companies and said, Hey, just like a traditional producer would, Hey, uh, we're making this film. Uh, we're shooting in Dubai. Um, the audience is going to reach 10 million people. Here's the whole plan. I want to make you part of it. Um, you know, to me luggage, give me $50,000 worth of luggage or whatever it is, or BMW, give me, I need six cars. And, and they all did. Um, and so there, it was bringing in partners as well. And so it's, that's where I go back to that money is always the reason, the BS reason. Now, I think that actually small businesses have the biggest opportunity in this space where what needs to happen is they need to think differently. So, and I'm talking small. So when you look at, let's look at uh, real estate agents, for example, mm-hmm. right? There are real estate agents out there and I have good friends that they do weekly shows. Uh, one of my uh, top real estate agents in, in Los Angeles, who's on two reality shows, he started four years ago doing a show called the real estate minute. It's three minutes. It's him around town talking about trends, what's being sold, real estate news, entertaining things. Um, and he's made hundreds of episodes. And those, even the first couple hundred didn't get a lot of views. But eventually, three, four years later, TV producers started to see it. Um, it opened up more opportunities. Now he's on, got a book. Now he's on national speaking tours. And so it really opens up, you know, you've got a global audience there, but it takes a lot of consistency. It doesn't take a lot of money. Um, he has a team now that shoots everything for him. But mm-hmm. when he started, it was literally him and, you know, friends holding the camera and him editing <laughs> it. And, but it put in the work. Same thing if you look at, you know, I think um, even like dentists, um, uh, doctors, car dealerships. Um, what's the opportunity, any of these sort of local businesses, why are they not creating the programming? Yeah, it's, it's um, right. So, and it doesn't take that much. And so I think they actually have the biggest opportunity with a small amount of money to invest in creating this, um, this content that's going to inform and entertain people. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It's about them being the authority in their space and building that influence up. Yeah, right. It needs to come from that that base of credibility. Right. I think that's one of the things. Yeah. This is more. I'd love for you to react to this because we talk about this here. If you look at a, a major brand, and I'll just pick. We're based in Chicago, Allstate, right? Who's based here? Huge in college football, spending tens and tens, if not you know, a hundred million all in on college football. And they, one of the things we talk about when you look at your own, you look at just Allstate's. Forget about the money they're spending on advertising on the ESPNs and the Foxes. 
we're not saying replace that, but where we think it's going is what's that niche within college football, since you're associated with it, that you can entertain your fans in a way that they're not being entertained elsewhere. To further, you've right. already made that decision that this group, this target audience is a fit for what you're doing. So how do you further own that? And, you know, to your point, I still think it's early, but I'm curious if where you think the market's going as it relates to branded entertainment. I, I think you're going to see more and more brands doing it. I think um, consumers don't care where content's coming from yep. at all. Um, it, as long as you're not, you know, as long as you're upfront about it um, and saying, look, this is coming from a brand and, and because of that, it may have a particular slant. But what's that different than any other content we watch every day? Right, exactly. Right. So, you know, for example, I'm working on a documentary with a solar company that is is tracking down where does all the money come from that's against the industry hmm. right so um that that are you know these organizations that are <laughs> don't want clean energy <laughs> and so you know obviously that the solar company has a a stake in stake in it and they want to tell a particular story um not everyone's going to like it but they're they're standing up for that if you look at you know, content that uh, Antagonia produces. They're yeah. very clear about what they stand for. Um, I think one of the biggest branded entertainment success stories that people don't talk about or I don't think don't realize is Lego. Right? Look at these Lego movies. Yeah. Um, and how much, and the brand's involved in them and they participate in the IP and the ownership and the revenue. And that, that's a little bit different because um, they've created this character in this world, but that's branded entertainment at, at its core. Um, and so I think it's just starting, but I also think what really has to happen is people understand this. It's not advertising. It's not marketing. It does those things. We can show how it does those things, but this is purely about building an audience, engaging them with entertaining content and building that, that relationship and, and then building that community around it. And then how do you activate that community? Well said. I mean, home stretch here, David, but I think, one of the things I listen to Digiday and their podcast and Brian Morris, he's great. But one of the things that bothers me in the trades and the narrative and for marketers right now is this whole concept of in-house agency. I read a stat from the Association of National Advertisers. The best one I could find was from 2018, where it said 78% of its members now report having an in-house agency, up from 50% in 2013. So a huge, you know, uptick. However, it's like, what does that mean, right? There's content studios like you built at Marriott and that you're building for clients. And then there's in-house agencies, which might be nothing more than media buying or media planning or some element of it. There's so many different components. It could be ad tech. And so I'd like to spend just a couple of minutes on what you're seeing in terms of best practices of the in-house content studio as either a subset or differentiated from the in-house agency at Brands. Yeah, I think, you know, the, when I arrived at Marriott, the first team, the, the team that I absorbed in a sense was the in-house agency um, and, and ultimately building and decide, decided to build up other teams around them. And so that in-house agency was responsible for about 60 people strong, responsible for servicing, um, you know, the 30 different brands under the Marriott portfolio, everything from mailers to print ads to um, any type of digital content. Um, but traditional marketing and advertising in a sense, and even activation um, things that you would need 
for in, individual hotels and whatnot. And so I think I, 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 that's where I think it is just that important to define what is, to your point, what type of agency is it? Um, and and you know, what's the purpose of it and even what's the business model of it? There are some agencies um, that, you know, for a Marriott example, the way it was set up was that the agency actually built the brands and um, it wasn't for profit. At the end of the year, we sort of zero out in a sense, mm-hmm. but the brands paid for the work just like they would any other agency. Now, we didn't have all the capabilities in house. There was lots of agencies in play. And I think there's a, a balance to that. I think trying to do everything in house is a mistake, um, certainly. Um, and so if you put that into in the branded content space or brand entertainment, I think it's important. That you should have an internal team, a small team that is, I would call them more your executive producer types mm-hmm. who are help. What is that strategy? You know, everything we've talked about today, but okay, who then are the right creative people for me to execute it with? So uh, I think a lot of people thought at Marriott we were building studios and had a team of 100 people in a studio. In reality, it was really like four people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all people that we said, okay, we know we want to make this type of content. And so this production company, this talent, this agent, whatever it may be, is are the right people. And that's what I meant by packaging. I would go out and handpick people and then the internal team really acts as the executive producer of the project to make sure that you know stays on track and on budget on time and all that but there's an external team actually executing it very cool and last question for you david and i'm just we're fascinated here about your master classes as you can probably tell since i've mentioned it like three times in this (laughs) podcast uh but it's funny because it's it's a collection of all the questions we get from our clients when we're talking about, you know, similar things that you and I have talked about. Well, how does this work and how will I know and show me who's making money on it. And so uh, it looks really cool. It's at davidbb.com. Uh, I think we said off air here that we're, our, our team is going to partake in these. So we'll be clients of yours on this. But I'm curious for you, what are graduates, folks coming out of this program or master classes? Where are they getting the most value? What are they saying? And, and what's surprising to you when they come out and being like, you know what, David, this was awesome because I never realized X. What are you hearing? I, I think, you know, there's a couple of things. One certainly is that I, I never, I didn't think of it like that or I didn't view it that way. Um, and so the big, the big part of the morning is really getting people to think different. And it's really education in a sense and getting them to think, you know, transform them from a marketer or a storyteller. And so that's everything of a lot of different case studies, showing them this world and getting them to think, oh, okay, I'm not making ads. Uh, This is about entertaining. And so thinking like a producer in a sense, that's that's one of the biggest ones. And I think the other one is really that they leave with um, something real world, meaning that the entire afternoon is actually all hands-on workshopping both individually and as groups and they are developing a um, let's say that um, there's usually two challenges in the afternoon that they get together for so uh, one will be let's say they they're assigned a format so maybe one group is doing a podcast and one's doing our short film or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be and they're all and but they have to figure out within an hour is really build you know, and we give them some guidelines, but what is the purpose of it? How am I going to measure this? What's the strategy distribution partners? And they, and then they pitch back to the executive teams. 
um, that come in for the two different sessions to hear, and then winners are picked, and oftentimes a brand will uh, reward them with some, uh, you know, like even if it's five thousand dollars to go and sort of ideate a little bit more on the winning ideas. But they all of them leave through that whole process with anywhere from twelve to fifteen ideas that have been fleshed out that are real world ideas that they can actually go back and say, hey, okay, now we want to do this. Um, and so there, it's not just listening to people talk. It's not just doing stuff that there's no outcome. You actually leave with boards and boards and boards of all these different content ideas and, and strategy and distribution. And then it's up to them to sort of decide out of all these, where do we want to go next? Awesome. David Beebe, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your journey and some of your learnings. And uh, keep on keeping on with the brand and entertainment you're creating for clients. And we really appreciate you stopping by today. Yeah, thanks for helping me. And we can get the word out and help people again. Just the biggest thing, just you got to go do it. <laughs> go do it. David Beebe said go it. it. Go do it. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.